Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. By day, Renato Frizzone is a mild-mannered computer support manager at Fordham University's Walsh Library. But at night, he hops on his hog and heads for the open road. And one time, Renato's wanderlust took him on an 11,000-mile motorcycle trip from Bronxville, New York, to Brazil. Renato is with me on Fordham Conversations to tell us about his trip. Renato, why ride a motorcycle all the way to Brazil? Why? Um, pretty much the idea started, uh, I'm from Brazil originally, so. How long we, have you been here? Uh, 33 years now. Okay. So uh, we decided, you know, talking to a couple of friends, and uh, we want to do a little adventure. And Brazil was the, the choice. So. Uh, How many we, friends went with you? Three. Well, there was three on motorcycles, two on motorcycles plus me, and there was two others uh, on cars. So there was two cars going with us also. Are they all from Brazil? Everybody's from Brazil? Everybody from Brazil. Okay. Everybody from Westchester, pretty much area. So um, everybody from here, everybody from there. <laughs> How often do you get back to Brazil? Like just on uh, a regular no, visit, no. not on a motorcycle ride, on a regular uh, visit? Every three, four years. And this was your first motorcycle ride? First. To there. First motorcycle ride, yes. So how did it develop? You guys were all kind of sitting around, and then you said, hey, let's take this 11,000-mile trip to Brazil? <laughs> or, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, it has to do with a little bit of age. We are a, l- a little bit on the 50s, somewhere there. I just started riding a motorcycle four years ago. My other two friends also the same way. We ride constantly in New York area, but it's only three, four hours most. So we started to say, well, we want to go a little further. Now, wait, uh, let's back up before we get to Brazil. So you and your friends um, were kind of hanging out. How did the motorcycle club start? Did did you join one that was already existing, or did you and your friends say, hey, let's get get together and ride, and we're going to call ourselves a motorcycle club? Yes. uh, Pretty much what happened is uh, there is a motorcycle from Brazil, club from Brazil, and we decided to start it out here. What's the name of it? Dragões do Metal. In English? It's, it's Metal Dragons. Okay. Something like that okay. in, in, in English. It's hard to translate, but mm-hmm. yeah, it has to do with the dragons and uh, rock and roll. Oh. So. <laughs> Are you big into rock and roll also? Well, I became more um, uh fan of rock and roll since we started the club because my friends are heavy-duty rock and rollers. But yeah. I'm new on this. So you're in this group, you're in this motorcycle club, and you guys just decide every week to ride, you know, just kind of riding around? Or we, where do you usually go? We, you we do, uh, besides just ride, we, we participate in a lot of um, fundraising. Uh, we ride a lot with uh, the NYPD, uh, the Blue Knights. So we're constantly going almost every weekend to uh, fundraising either for uh, cancer, uh, kids with problems, or anything you can think of, we participate. So how many miles do you think you average in a month? In a month? Riding around New York, Westchester. Um, uh, it's about uh, maybe, not that much, maybe 300 miles, 400 miles. So it was nothing like the 11,000 oh, miles when no. you went to Brazil? No, 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 no. So we start the trip. Uh, it was raining and uh, <laughs> 5 o'clock in the morning. It was a little bit cold because it's still November. It was about 45, I think. And one of my friends on a motorcycle came to my home to pick me up so that we, we can uh, meet with the other guys. And he fell. Oh, no. He fell right on Mount Vernon. But 
He still was able to ride. So, he, so was he hurt or he was okay no, he to ride? he didn't hurt himself. It was a little scratch here and there, but he was Because okay. it was so slippery from the rain? It was, you know, it was very slippery. The leaves on the, on the road was, was pretty bad. Did it mess up his motorcycle at all? Yeah, a little oh, bit. No. Uh, but it was, uh, again, it was not bad enough. He was still able to ride. So we started out in a bad, <laughs> on a bad note, but we, we start. Were other drivers friendly while you were on the roads? Because sometimes you hear of drivers not being so friendly to motorcyclists while you're driving um, on the road. Were because they fairly we friendly? were riding in groups, I guess we had more respect. Mm -hmm. Because the way we, we, we rode was there was one guy in front of us with the Jeep, and we would behind the Jeep, and then the other guy with the car behind the last uh, motorcycle. So we, we really didn't have much trouble uh, on the road. How many miles per hour were you all going? Um, around, you know, 50 to 65. So obeying uh, the speed the limits, not... Base, yeah, yeah. very, very normal. There was no, no problems there in terms of uh, the speed. How do you communicate with other, um, with your other friends who are riding motorcycles while you're riding? Because I, I know nothing about motorcycles. Yes. I think I rode a moped one time in my life, which doesn't really count. <laughs> so how do you communicate to say, hey, I want to make a stop or I want to, you know, have a burger break or I want to, you know, bathroom break or something? How do you communicate? We, because we ride together uh, constantly, so we do have, uh, and we, we ride in a way, in a pattern. Like there is one on the, on the left and the second one goes on the right. The other one goes on the left. So we kind of is that so together. you can see each other or so you're for safety. That's a kind of a rule for motorcycle when you are together. It's easier for you to uh, avoid an accident, so you have more time and more room to if something happened, so that you can you know take care of it. Speaking of something happening, have you ever had an accident? You personally? Yes. Bad on this or? trip. Oh, no. On this trip. I'm what getting happened? there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened on this trip. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I have to say the roads from New York to, we went uh, from New York to Texas, um, to the very tip of uh, Texas and Mexico. It was beautiful. It was awesome. What did you see that was so beautiful? Uh, well, first of all, the roads. Incredible. Uh, the roads were incredible. And uh, the landscape is amazing. We went through, you know, pretty much to Pennsylvania, end up in Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi. As we ride down, there was like we, up here was pretty much winter. And uh, when you start riding down, you start seeing the change, the colors. Oh. So we got, I uh, have some awesome pictures over here that was incredible uh, just to see that. And then, of course, when they get to Texas, it was a little bit warmer. Mm -hmm. so, uh, a little easier to ride then when it's oh, warmer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, the ride was nice. We rode 2,000 miles from here to Texas. And we did uh, about uh, three days. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon discussing the adventures Bronxville resident Renato Frizzone experienced when he and his friends took an 11,000-mile motorcycle trip from New York City to Brazil. Okay, so you drove from Texas. Now we're going to where? Now we are in Mexico, um, and uh, we crossed Mexico, and there we had a lot of problems. Why? Because Mexico, uh, unfortunately, um, the roads are dangerous. We are told uh, by a lot of, you know, every place, uh, gas station that we stopped and talk about, you know, how the roads were, 
And they said, be very careful because there is a lot of people and they're going to rob you or oh no yeah we unfortunately one of my friends he had uh on the trailer that he took with him he had three other motorcycles he was taken there to um i'm my best guess i don't really know but i think he was selling them over there Mm -hmm. and that becomes a problem in every country that you pass through because it's like importing Oh. You were importing that mo- those motorcycles into that country. Okay. And the paperwork was horrendous. So we started having a lot of delays at the borders. But now, us, were they legitimate delays or were they kind of, you know, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, maybe it cost $100, but because you're not from Mexico, they wanted to charge you double or triple. Was it, it that type of situation? It was a combination of both. Oh. It was, uh, you know, at the end, uh, we w- recognized that my friend was wrong. You should never take that, ma- that much stuff. Yeah. Into other countries, mainly uh, because of, you know, you have to do all the paperwork. And because of that, uh, we started having delays. What did you guys do while you were waiting? Unfortunately, did you get to sightsee? Or? Unfortunately, the borders are not the best place to <laughs> sightsee. <laughs> no. There's absolutely nothing. Mm. Some place there was not even a bathroom. Oh, no. Yeah. Some of the borders were really, really bad. Yeah. So, Were you um, at all fearful for your life at any point because of yes, all the things that really? Yes, in Mexico, after we passed the border, um, we're it, it was at night already. It was around six thirty, seven o'clock. It was getting dark, and then we had a checkpoint, and the check was the first checkpoint after uh, we crossed into Mexico, and uh, there was a lot of policemen, and they, if you look at their face, they look like kids. But they look like kids in uniform and with big guns. Uh Uh-oh. And immediately, they they saw all the plates from New York. They saw Christmas coming. They harassed us. They really harassed us. Like, what did they do? What did they say? You're you're on your bike. You're stopped. Well, they can't say anything. Well, you just pass a a red light. It Mm -hmm. was not true. Mm -hmm. But they can say, oh, you, you need to have this in your vehicle. It's not here. So they can come up with anything. So any, you would pull over, and then they, they would, would come up to you, over. and they'd say, oh, you know, you don't have A, B, and C. Here's a ticket. Right. Or would they make you pay them then? Well, or? they say you want to go to um, to the place where you pay your ticket, or you want to pay here. Of mm-hmm. course, they want money. And then uh, at the end of the, the, the story, we had to pay. But How much the scary you- part was because they were very aggressive, and there was a number of them. Mm. And we are in the middle of nowhere. Right. There was nobody around, so we they could do whatever they wanted with us. Mm-hmm. It was nighttime, so I was fearful there. Mm-hmm. But then it happened a second time. Oh, no. <laughs> so by then you kind of knew what to 30, do? 40,000 miles down, we, I mean, the same thing happened. So And then it happened again. So, so by the third time, you're just like give me, yeah, giving up the money. We're and just giving up the money. Did they ask for a specific amount, or do you give the amount that you think they want? The or? first one they asked, they asked for $200. Mm-hmm. They said, um, yeah, I'll let you guys pass for $200. He was very upfront. But the others, they kind of let us decide what to give. They just asked for some money. For how some much help. did you give the second time, and how much did you give the third time? I, I did, gave $20, but I don't know how much my friends right. did. Right. <laughs> So everybody was giving money to everybody. So right. it was like, and were you afraid to like show them what you had because you thought they might end up, you know, saying uh, oh, I we had want two more. wallets before smart. I left. Very smart. Uh, they said uh, I was reading about that, so they said uh, take two wallets. One you leave, you know, your documents. The other one you leave a little change in case you need to. 
throw it and go yeah, or, or give it away to somebody. if you go somebody. someplace that you don't feel comfortable, use your other wallet. Mm -hmm. That's smart. So that worked out pretty nicely. <laughs> so then once you got out of Mexico, you ended up where? In Guatemala. Okay. Guatemala was uh, a little bit of trouble, the same way uh, the, the border, mm -hmm. and then on the road, but not as much. As they still Mexico. wanted money, but it wasn't as yes. bad. Actually, the first part of Mexico was the, the, the bad. The, the north part of Mexico was bad. And then when they started getting to the south of Mexico, the people started getting a little bit friendlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long did it take you to get comfortable. How long did it take you to get through Mexico? It took us three days. Oh, so you actually had to spend the night and there was oh, still yeah, a little yeah. bit of... We were spending the night on the road and, uh, you know, every every morning. Were you camping out or... Or staying like at a hotel? No, or? we stay pretty much anything that uh, appears around us around 7 o'clock. Because we are riding pretty much from 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. Okay. And that's that's our routine pretty mm -hmm. much. And whatever was closer to us and that we felt comfortable and safe. Yeah, how would you know it was safe? Did, were there certain well, tell telltale yes, signs? Absolutely. There is, there is, uh, when you, you find a place to sleep, if it is enclosed... So you know you, you have a gate that's going to lock everything and you're going to be safe in there. I mean, some kind of safety, I guess, because you don't know who the people, who the people are, but um, assuming they have a business and uh, they have a gate and we all locked up and then uh, we'll be okay. So if the place was open, we never stopped. We just kept going. We couldn't just park and leave the motorcycles and everything else outside. We want a place that we can you know, feel secure. Because of the, the situation in those countries, in terms of security, most of the places they do have some gated um, uh, area. Mm -hmm. So it's not that hard to find. So Was we, that the we, most uncomfortable part of the road trip? Worrying about the people who might um, hurt you or worrying, I mean, of the whole trip? Where Was it more so fearful worrying about the people or worrying about, oh, I might slip and fall or... The people. The people were the, the, the most people. fearful. Because that's traveling. what we heard. Mm -hmm. You know, every place you stop and uh, you, you stop to eat, you stop to put gas and people tell, they look at us and they see those beautiful motorcycles. We had beautiful motorcycles. And uh, the two vehicles with the, the plates of New York, they say, watch out. Mm. That was a warning from everybody. Yeah. From, and we took, took to heart. You know, we knew that uh, we should be careful. Yeah. But thank God nothing really happened uh, besides, you know, the money that they asked for. They didn't rob us. Mm -hmm. uh, they just asked for the money and then we just went. I'm Robin Shannon on 90.7 WFUV, speaking with Fordham University's Renato Frizzone, who, along with a few friends, set out on an adventure to ride 11,000 miles from New York City to Brazil. And did they consider you American or Brazilian? I'm a, a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. I carry the Brazilian citizen, but mm -hmm. I'm also American citizen. Mm -hmm. So, so you have dual I citizenship. I, yeah, I have both. But I travel with the American passport. So everybody else traveled with the Brazilian passport. Water was a little bit easier. Some of these places, uh, America is not. <laughs> <laughs> not their favorites. <laughs> well, not anymore. Let's put it this way. So it was not easier anymore. to get through some of these customs with the Brazilian, the Brazilian passport, passport than yeah. the American passport. Yeah. Yes, Because they're not a fan of our politics in some places. Some places, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> like Guatemala, like Mexico? 
Well, they, they really didn't point that out. Mm-hmm. They tried to be, uh, you know, polite in that sense. But, but you could just tell the difference between yeah, you can how you were treated and how yes. your friends with the Brazilian passport were treated. I understand. So when you go to customs, um, they, they're not looking to money at that point. They just look into the rules and regulations of their country. But then end up to, because we are carrying so much stuff with us, that they say, I'm sorry, you know, uh, this is going to take a long time for us to resolve this. We don't know what to do sometimes, they said. We don't know what to do. How mm-hmm. how one person can pass with three motorcycles? What are you doing with them? And they, they didn't have plates, those motorcycles. So anyhow, we end up at the end of uh, the day paying them. Say, listen, we know maybe we were wrong, but this is what we are doing. Can you help us out? And, you know, the money, mm-hmm. show the money. and How much did it cost? You know, <laughs> plenty. Every every like a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. No, between a hundred and two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Every country that was a little oh, bit wow. over. Yes. So at that point, we are buying every every um, border, mm-hmm. not because they want it that way. It's because they started out in a, in a good foot, but because we we start showing what we had, mm-hmm. and they said no, this is not good. Yeah. So now they start thinking, you know, maybe there is money here for us to make. Ah, I got you. <laughs> okay. So, so they started out honest, and then yes, you had to grease the wheels. Pretty much everybody started out honest. They say, these are the rules here. And then they say, well, but uh, we, we still want to pass through. What can we do? <laughs> right. Now, we stopped in, where were we? We were in El Salvador? El Salvador. We- then we went to Honduras. Uh, pretty much all the same in terms of those countries. There was not much difference in terms of the borders. Pretty much all the same. The roads are similar. How long until you get to, because you were on a time limit to get to Brazil. So how long from here was it going to take you to get to Brazil now? We, we're, we're from, from Colombia. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, we, we start saying we, we don't know anymore. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we really lost everything that we planned was behind us. Because every place that we passed was something different. And we did not expect to spend a whole day or sometimes two days or 11 days in Cartagena. So it was out of the question. So we were just going to do what we have to do. We get up in the morning, we ride the motorcycle until we get to the next frontier and see what's going to happen there. So it actually, in a way, was a good lesson in being resilient and kind of just letting things happen and enjoying things for the moment. For me, it was, Mm -hmm. Uh, but not for everybody. (laughs) Two of my friends, they were really concerned Two of them were actually moving back to Brazil, so they they were not coming back here. Mm-hmm. So they were concerned with money, and they were concerned that it was taking too long. You know, uh, they didn't like the trip. Some uh, two oh. of them didn't like the trip because they said, you know, they didn't expect to have all these problems. Mm-hmm. All so they could delay. roll with it. They just couldn't. Just yeah, they enjoy couldn't cope with was, it. Yeah. For me, it was okay because I. I, I Set out was an adventure. Mm-hmm. So when you put that in your head, you know, you don't have much plan. You just go with the flow. Right. Let whatever happens, happens. Yes. As long as it was okay physically and uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was all right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a little bit tired, but it was okay. <laughs> so you, um, so now you, you get your bikes, you get your stuff, you're, you're heading away from Panama. So now we, from Colombia... We we crossed Colombia. It took us three days to cross Colombia, and uh, actually, before we crossed Colombia, there was a major uh, thing that happened in Colombia because of the rain. 
So we are at the, um, one of the mountains. And um, so now my three of my friends, they were ahead of us. And uh, the road started getting really bad. And um, they uh, they had to block. They had to stop everything because the, the road just gave away. Oh, no. So there was no way to come or go. So everything stopped. But the, the three friends, they already passed this, this area. And uh, I stayed behind with another friend. And we couldn't go through. We just got stuck there. So my friends, they were driving a little bit faster. And they were passing faster than we did. And they were able to make, you know, uh, ahead of us quite a bit. We're talking about maybe 15, 20 minutes ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We are in the middle of this mountain, in the middle of nowhere. But we are stuck over there. And on the left side and the right side, you see the cocaine plantation. Really? That was a little... Intimidating. <laughs> unnerving. <laughs> intimidating. And people said uh, to us before we set up, they said, don't travel at night on this road. They said, just go during the day. I, actually, none of those places I recommend to go at night. Mm-hmm. You travel, you travel during the day. No sun, get out of the road. Mm. Why? It's dangerous. Dangerous. What could and happen? People rob you. Or they... You know, mm-hmm. block you on the road in the middle of nowhere. There's no help. So um, that was very interesting because it ended up that we had to stay there 34 hours. And it was dark. And we had to sleep there. Where'd we you s- sleep? We slept well. I slept in the car. And and I could I could guess you were a, a little nervous. <laughs> you were like parked nervous. right there in the road and you just had to. Right, right there. The only good thing is there was, of course, more people. There was more people on the road like us, uh, you know, stuck. Did you know what was going on or you just knew we were stopped? We knew because some of the people that came through, they told us, you know, that happened. The the road gave away. So they said nobody. It was impossible. It was impossible to pass. Did your friends know? How did you get? How did you let your friends who had gone ahead of you know that you guys were stuck? They they pass uh, this bad area. And they radio us because we had a radio between the two cars. So they radio us. They said, you know, this is a big trouble here. And so what did you look at then? Because I, I would think you wouldn't want to venture out too far with the with the cocaine crops over yeah. here. You didn't want to go sightseeing. Well, <laughs> at night you hear them working on the plantation. Yeah. Uh, you hear them. The radio was on. You hear them talking. And we said, well, if they come here and they knock at our car and ask for money or whatever what are we going to do right absolutely we had no we just pray (laughs) pretty much and it worked (laughs) it was really really interesting night wow it was interesting night what was fine was moving a little bit but then the uh, only cars and then the the truck drivers and there was a lot of them they started getting really upset mm. because they said, we want to go too. Mm-hmm. But they were too heavy to they go. They were too heavy. Mm-hmm. They were too heavy. They couldn't go. So what they did, they threw the trucks in, the, in front of the, the road. They said, no, if we don't go, nobody goes. Oh, no. So that's why we, we got stuck because they said, if we don't go, nobody goes. It was incredible to wow. see that. And, uh, and I felt sorry for the people that were in buses because mm. the buses wouldn't go through. So they had to... Um, Get off the buses mm-hmm. and walk 
through that. And we talk about walking a good four or five miles because you, the bus would stop uh, away from the area a little bit and they had to walk that with luggage and some of them with kids. And that's how and much of the road was, was messed up, about a yeah, good four or five big, miles. Big, big chunk of the, the road gave away and the rest of it was pure mud. mud. And they had to so, wade through this mud to get to the other side. So how did you get across? How did you eventually get well, across? Well, finally, uh, after 34 hours, uh, we got to the trouble place. And um, uh, they were, f- like, for all this time, they were trying to throw dirt and fix the road a little bit. So finally, we were able to pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was bad, but not in the sense that we didn't get stuck or anything. The car passed through the motorcycle. But it was, was pretty bad to see... Uh, People there were really walking, yeah, and they, they had no other means of. Um, people were renting boots to go across. The, the locals they start coming with uh, uh, those supplies and boots and the, such. The, the, the rubber boots, yeah, mm-hmm. and they were renting to people for them to be able to cross. So what happens when you get to Brazil? What was finally, the first place you went? Finally, well, we went to uh, after Colombia. Then we we got into uh, Ecuador, and then finally to uh, into Peru. And then from Peru, we, we went through towards the Amazons. So uh, once we got very close to the Amazon, of course, that's the frontier with Brazil. How did that feel? Uh, <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> we really, uh, we, we stop and cry a little bit, actually, <laughs> because they say, okay, now we are home. <laughs> yeah. So whose house did you stop at first? Did you go with family members or did you uh, guys? My sister is still there. So, uh, but Brazil, we had to, to ride for three days. Oh. You know, that was just the beginning of, uh, we just got into Brazil, but we had three days of uh, road to, to get through. But finally, uh, after three days, we got through to my, my sister's hometown. And then I stayed there 24 hours. My, my flight to New York was on the next day. Oh, no. So did you get there for Christmas? Was it no. Christmas? It was after no. Christmas? My sister waited for Christmas, for New Year's. We got there on uh, January 7th. Oh, wow. And I flew back to New York on the 8th. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> that was the only time we had. <laughs> so you did. So where's your motorcycle? Did you leave it there? I left it over there. Yeah. Um, it's my, my brother-in-law is trying to fix it up because, you know, it was uh-huh. a little bent up a little bit. Uh-huh. Were you kind of sad, though? Were you kind of sad, like you're on this plane, you did that trip, or were you excited that you finished it, or you said you only got to spend a day with your sister? No, I was sad that uh, I didn't have enough time to spend uh, with friends and family. Mm-hmm. And also ride the motorcycle there because the plans were to ride the motorcycle in Brazil for maybe a few days. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I, I was uh, happy that I did the trip at least. And uh, we are planning to go some other place now. <laughs> really? Where, where are you planning next? Oh, my friend called me just to go to Daytona now. That is Daytona week. Uh-huh. Do you have a new motorcycle? I'm planning to buy another one now. <laughs> what kind? I'm looking to a Harley, but I don't know. I don't want to say yet, but I think it's going to be a Harley. Yeah. I think so. If you had any advice for somebody who wanted to to ride a motorcycle to Brazil, (laughs) what advice would you have for someone? You have to like motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're uh, number one. You have to like motorcycles. And you have to have the spirit of adventure. As I said, one one of my friends, and he was not on a motorcycle, but he struggled during the trip because he couldn't cope with uh, that much time away from the family and not knowing mm-hmm. because the trip it was really an adventure. We didn't know what's going to happen. 
We just started out. We knew we had to go south. <laughs> That's pretty much it, like the birds. <laughs> Do you have um, um, loved ones here in the States? Because you were gone for a while, did you? Well, uh, I'm married and I have two kids. And the kids. <laughs> my my oldest son is 30 years old, so they're not kids anymore. But uh, Was he like, this is awesome, or was he like, Dad, I'm what crazy. are you doing? They thought I'm crazy, and uh, my wife says I'm menopausal. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Does she ride? No. No. She <laughs> hates the motorcycle. She doesn't even get near it. So, but uh, it is something that she understood I had to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, she understands that it's something I like to do. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you, you have to like motorcycles. You have to have a little bit of a spirit of adventure. And I have that because that's why I'm here. Yeah. I left Brazil 32 years ago by myself, and I'm here. One of my favorite films is this 1980 film called My Bodyguard. Um, it has, like, Chris Makepeace and, and this guy Adam Baldwin, and they're kind of two outcast characters, and they rebuild this bike. So, And mostly in uh, films, motorcycles are used as, like, a symbol of freedom. So does riding a motorcycle kind of have a symbolic meaning for you? It is the freedom. It is the freedom. Everything about the motorcycle it is the freedom. Uh, as much pain as we had, we, I fell three times on a motorcycle. As much pain as we have, as much as uh, we didn't pass to some of the boards were really terrible. The food was not that great either. But once you sat down on the motorcycle and you hit the road, that was it. it just everything awesome. was peaceful, everything was fine. No more complaints, everything, all the pain was behind us. <laughs> so yes, it is the freedom, it is the, the pleasure to, to ride motorcycles. Many thanks to Fordham University's Renato Frizzone. Stay right here, Cityscape with George Bodarki is next. I'm Robin Shannon for Fordham Conversations. <laughs>